Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where which of us is witchiest? I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beej. Witchy, Beejee, I, I got the tune completely wrong. <laughs> um, today, we want to talk about The Witcher, and a couple things Witcher, probably not all things Witcher, but enough Witchers that this is going to be a witchy podcast. And it, it, this is really coming because the show just came out, and BJ got super hooked on it, and I convinced him mm-hmm. that we should just talk about The Witcher for an episode instead of doing it in the five minutes of geekery at the end of a different episode right yeah that's true because i got like super into it and like i loved this show i kind of put it off all right so so for those of you who don't know about the witcher which i didn't know anything about going going in on this about the witcher other than hey there's this white-haired dude he kills he kills monsters like so i had no desire to watch this tv show that I saw everyone talked talking about it. I saw the trailers for it and thought it looked horrible. Like I did not want to see this show. And then every single person I knew, like in real life and online, was talking about how good it was. And I just I was late to the boat. I'm sitting in the airport. Like I get stuck over and over again. Like over 30 hours in the airport on on over the weekend. And. I'm bored and need something to watch, and I'm really tired of listening to albums, podcasts, and watching whatever movies are available. So I download, decide, you know what? I'll download The Witcher onto my phone and download all the episodes from Netflix. And within like five minutes, I was hooked on it. Like I, I was thinking because I saw what what reminded me of this was I saw a meme that said toss a coin to your Witcher and then had something funny after it. And I was like, I just don't get this stuff and I see it everywhere. So I want to know what it is. And I started watching The Witcher because of that. And that song, just so y'all know, if you don't know, is not the theme song to the show that I thought it was. I thought that was the theme song to the show. That's why everybody was talking about it. And it's totally not. Like, no. I just assumed it was like, you know, the Game of Thrones intro and the da-da-da-da, all that. thought that was going to be toss a coin to your Witcher. That's what that was. It's no, not it's part it's of the show. it's just an earworm from one of the episodes, basically. But it goes through the entire show. Like, by the end of I know you haven't finished it up. It does keep coming back up. And uh, it made me really happy, too. Like, I see why people... Yeah, it's an earworm. That's exactly what it is. It is. It's good. But, I mean... I think you and I land in different places with the show. But before we dive into that, we should talk about the fact that this is not just a show. It's a no. book series that spawned a game series. And then the game series got popular enough that Netflix went out and hunted for the IP rights to get the rights to the books so that they could make a yes. TV show out of it. So at this point, it is now a book series. <laughs> it is a video game series. And it is a TV show with one complete season and a confirmed second season. So it's like yes. all of these different media properties. And it's really interesting because if you look at the the way the rights are, Netflix has the rights to make the show based on the books um, because CD Projekt Red only has the rights to make the video games. But if you look at the source material, like Geralt and the things that they're pulling for from are definitely modeled after the video games. Like a hundred percent. Like Henry Cavill is playing Geralt from The Witcher Three. Mm-hmm. Like there's no question at all that as much as they like quote unquote are basing this off the books, they are basing this off the popularity of the video games. So the IP rights are in this really weird middle ground space that I just find utterly fascinating. And it's really weird for me, too, because I started looking into it just wanting to know because I knew that the games were based on books and I knew that they weren't like 
they did their own thing with it. They took it and literally adapted it for the medium where it wasn't like telling the exact same story or doing anything like that. Like they, Witcher one, two and three are their own properties within the, uh, within that world. And the books are the books. And then this show is based on the books and the story that's being told there. But you're absolutely right. Visually and charactery, uh, charactery. That's what it is. Character and the characters, everything like it is absolutely based visually at the very least on the video game like he is when i started up the witcher 3 after i saw the tv show i went and bought it on switch because i couldn't resist it uh i was very surprised at how close of a performance that henry cavill did to Geralt in the game i'm like man that is not a bad adaptation of Geralt then. Well, he it's has like, come out and said that he's a huge fan of the video games. So he's okay. definitely playing the character from the video games um, because he's a gamer. Like Henry Cavill has said many times over the years that like he plays video games. He plays a lot of video games and he loves video games. He's also just a very famous actor at the same time. Um, right. Because he's from our generation. Like everybody plays games in one way or another. You know, it's not a big deal anymore the way that it used to be, I guess. Um, but you can tell that he knows at least the Witcher 3 and that his Geralt is pulled from that Geralt. Yes, absolutely. And this show made me from the very beginning love Henry Cavill. That I was kind of meh about Henry Cavill before this. That I've never seen the Tudors. And I know that that's supposed to be a magnificent show and that there are people who really fell in love with him because of that show. I've never seen any of it, but I'm going to now. Um, I saw I like I'm actually one of the few people who really, really likes Man of Steel for his Superman in it and his Clark Kent really, really like him as that. All the other DC stuff where he's Superman, just kind of meh. He's he exists in those. Um, we don't talk about them anymore, though. And so there's Man of Steel. Uh, that I really like Henry Cavill in, but I don't know a lot about him otherwise. And then I see Geralt, and I'm like, you win, sir. I love you. Like, I am now a Henry Cavill fan because of how he plays Geralt, and I had no idea about Geralt from the game or anything at all like that. But he played him right. He is this kind of character who could be completely emotionless, but he is completely sympathetic at the same time. Yeah. And it's very hard to get that. It, it's very hard to, to get that right. And it's very easy to mess up. And I think he stays in that character where you're sympathetic to this character while you're like, how can you just act like that, man? Just what's wrong with you? But you care about him. It's yeah. a very good performance to be able to do that. Well, we should probably set up a little bit about the world. If you've never seen anything Witcher related before, it's kind of um, a dark fantasy world, mm -hmm. basically, at its core. And there's a couple other things going on there. Like it's pulling from Eastern European influences. So it definitely has mm -hmm. a different like undertone to it. It gets very dark in some places in the world building anyway, not necessarily in the show itself, even though the show gets dark too. Um, the show gets pretty dark. Yeah. So that shows through. Um, but you can see some of this in um, there's a no clip series that came out on YouTube where they did like a history of CD Projekt Red, which is the development studio behind the game. And then there are like two or three no clip episodes right after that or videos, I guess, documentaries right after that that are about like the making of The Witcher 3 and then like the quest in the story and the world building. And they have all these like standalone ones about different aspects of it. And it gets into all of that, which is super, super interesting. Um, but, you know, at its core, 
it's it's fantasy like if you know some fantasy tropes you'll be fine diving into it even if it does different twists on it even if it's slightly different framing that's kind of the world that they're playing in and Mm -hmm. yeah i mean the show i don't know i feel like everybody loves this show more than i do i think it's good i just don't think it's amazing and people are like oh it's next game of thrones it's the next whatever I really saw it as a very solid like B show. Like I would not give really? this an A or an A plus or amazing or I can't wait to get back to it. I mean, this came out what like a month and a half ago at this point as of recording Ish, this. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I have watched six episodes out of the eight. Like it's not a huge commitment. There's only eight episodes in the season, and the first episode took me three different sittings to like get through because it just was not grabbing me at all and every episode i watch i like it more i like it more and more and so it started out and it was like yeah this is a solid like b fantasy show for me and at the point that i'm at right now i feel like yeah this is this is like a b plus i want to finish it out i want to finish the season i like it but it's not completely and utterly amazing um but it's Hmm. good it's definitely like it's it's good whereas before i thought it was okay so my rating keeps going up so maybe i'll get to like a b plus or like an a minus by the end of the first season um but i want to see where it goes but it's also not grabbing me to the point where i need to just like push through it because you know when i get hooked on something i clear my schedule enough to just like make my way through it and i've had a month and a half and i'm only six episodes in so that's where i'm landing with the show right now and it's really strange to me about that because i know that like I know that we've we talked before this and we actually started recording whenever I said I expected you to like this more because of how much you like Game of Thrones and just how into it and all in that you went on that and uh, how you're like, well, it's not Game of Thrones. And I want to know, because it is different, don't get me wrong, I am absolutely 100% behind it and we'll talk about that and why it's so different, but you, you're like, this is absolutely not Game of Thrones. What is it that doesn't click with this one for this like dark fantasy that uh, did with Game of Thrones? It's not interweaving like interesting intrigue between characters that are building to something greater. It feels like Monster of the Week. It feels like the way that shows used to be where maybe there was some loose connection episode to episode and you can tell that the season is kind of going somewhere where they're going to pull some of it together. But it's not this intricately woven narrative where everything that one character does, you know, is going to have drastic effects on everything else going on. It's not that. It is much closer to Monster of the Week. What's the like new town that they're in this week and the new monster they're dealing with? And I know there's stuff that's going to come together. There are things with Yennefer. There's things with Geralt. There's things with Ciri. And I know this because I've beaten The Witcher 3. Like I know where these stories go. So right. I know it'll all come together. But it's not super clean in the way that it's tied together. And the narratives feel very disconnected. And it's kind of weird the way that they're doing the timelines because you can tell that the timelines are not in sync and they must get in sync like right near the end of the season. Like there's no way they, they don't. Kinda. Like the reasons that you can't get into it are the exact reasons that I can or the exact reasons that I do. Because immediately when I started watching this, like I loved the opening scene where he was fighting the spider monster in the swamp like that. Just like, oh, that's what this kind of show is. Cool. And so it, it set that tone. But then I start seeing as the as the show jumps around and it plays with time and the way that the narratives are being told where it has these different stories that are, are going along that I see that something's up 
up with it at first. In the first episode, you don't really know what's going on with the timelines and that it's timelines even. You just know that there are all these different threads. By the end of the first episode, you don't know what's going on at all. You just know there are all of these different stories. And for me, my my uh, one of my interests when I was studying TV uh, specifically was narratology, was how they actually structured the narrative. So I see this in episode one, and my brain, the, the gears just start turning and trying to put these pieces together to see. And I'm like, okay, I know what they're doing here. And so the entire story pushed me through it from a structural standpoint. And I like the characters. Like, I really, really like Yennefer. Like, I really love what they've done with Yennefer. And uh, like I said, Henry Cavill is great as Geralt. But it was this narrative structure where I'm seeing these little bits and pieces that are pulling from the different stories and different narrative lines that are tying them together uh, because of the actual physical structure of this show. And that's what really drew me in, even though there aren't the political, there's not the political intrigue tying everything together in this one there there are characters lives and relationships and actual literal uh chronological narratives that are being pieced together that really just sucked me in uh, from the very first episode yeah and that was kind of what pushed me away because the first episode if you don't realize that it's part of this like weird thing that they're doing with the timelines it just feels like a very badly constructed episode of tv like it it just feels like why did you put things together in this order it feels arbitrary and nothing is connected mm. and so that's why it took me three sittings to get through the first episode like that first huh. episode almost put me off the series multiple times um until i saw an actual timeline of how the season was constructed and i was like oh, okay it gets better i should stick with it longer um and that's really interesting to me. Like that really is amazing to me because from like like seeing it like that, it never once made me think that it was disjointed like that, like really disconnected because I was just like, yeah, they're doing something really cool with this. Like I never saw it as a as a mistake to begin with. So that's really interesting how we just hit it, how it appeared to us. Well, and keep in mind, I've beaten The Witcher 3, so I know where all these right. stories are going. And so I could immediately tell, I was like, oh, these timelines are all out of sync. Like, this is weird. Oh. This is kind of dumb. Um, and it's things where it's like, okay, I see where the characters are going to come together. Let's get to that point because that's when it's going to get more interesting. And it, it just took its time. Whereas I think if you had no video game baggage like I came into it with, you would probably enjoy it a lot more. And I think that's what and you're running into because you hadn't played any of the games. None of it. I knew nothing about it. All I knew was that, that as I put it in my own brain, Geralt would, killed some monsters. Like, that's all I knew. I didn't know his name was Geralt. I thought his name was Geralt. And so starting this completely fresh, Witcher TV show was my introduction to this world. I now want to go in because of that having nothing. I want to know about the books. I want to know about these games. Like, I'm playing The Witcher 3 now. It's like, I loved this show because of that because i didn't have that kind of like oh i know where this goes but the moment i started the witcher 3 i was like spoilers this is spoilers for at least season two what's going on why are you doing this i'm like because you're playing the third in a series you dumbo yeah well like, i don't think exactly what you're doing played one or two or are interested Mm-mm. in playing the witcher one or two but the witcher 3 is really good and you're liking it right you're not far in yeah. but i'm not very far in at 
all, but I love it so far. It kind of feels like a grimdark Skyrim, and Skyrim was kind of grimdark, so it's it's really interesting. Like this genre doesn't also to go back to Game of Thrones, it doesn't feel like Game of Thrones because it's not high fantasy. That uh, this is really more grimdark fantasy as opposed to high fantasy, which is a, a which is an actual like genre difference. And the, because it's Eastern European, as opposed to like Western European, uh, grim, dark versus high, it does have a different feel than like Skyrim does. So it's gameplay wise. Yeah. It feels like I'm playing Skyrim again, but I really like what I'm seeing so far. I guess I didn't really feel the Skyrim vibe, but I don't know. I don't know. Skyrim is its own thing. I, I liked it. I liked The Witcher 3 a lot. Um, I liked it for the storytelling, and the storytelling is, like, so much better than Skyrim ever was. Yeah, you know, it's it a really re- is. It feels like a really good Western RPG, even though it's coming out of East Europe. Like yeah, East European, I know, right? You know, but it feels like something that, like, a high-end AAA Western studio would put out. Um, mm-hmm. But then you run into little things here and there where you're like, this is a weird twist, or this is kind of different than a AAA game would be. And it's because it's coming out of... I want to say Poland, but I don't know if that's right. I think right. it's Poland. Yeah. I'm pretty and, sure it's Poland. Um, So it's good, but what I ran into was I was loving the story and the world, but the gameplay after about 10 hours got to the point where I was like, I don't really want to do this anymore. Like the gameplay mm. wasn't the fighting and the combat and stuff. It wasn't doing anything like new or revolutionary and it was fine, but it wasn't super engaging. So what I did, and I feel like I talked about this on the podcast a couple of years ago. Was I think you did. I went and I modded it and I was playing on PC and I basically put in a couple mods. I didn't do anything drastic, but I put in a mod that let me enable console commands and then I gave myself tons and tons of experience and so i basically just out leveled the game completely so i never had to worry about combat again and i could just play through it for the story and i added a couple other convenience things like i don't remember are there weight restrictions in this game because if there are i don't know i 100 modded them out because i hate that when that happens i i hate inventory management just about more than anything else and i haven't gotten to the point where i it's become an issue yet so we will see Okay, so if that was in the game, I took it out. I can't remember because it's been a while. Um, the other thing I added was better fast travel, which there's a couple mm. mods out there for it. The fast travel in the main game, you have to go to one of these like signs, like these fast travel points, and then you can travel from sign to sign. Whereas uh, okay. if you mod the game from literally anywhere, you can just fast travel to one of those signs. It's a super minor change that makes a world of difference in how you travel around the world. So yep, that would. I did that. And the thing is... I. I played through the game. I loved the story. Like, the story and the world were fantastic. Um, And I keep meaning to go back and get around to the expansions because the expansions are supposed to be standalone and really good. And Mm -hmm. I just haven't for whatever reason. So maybe this will be, you know, maybe I'll finish the show and then that'll kind of push me into, like, The Witcher 3 expansions. Like, I think it's Blood and Wine and there's one other also, if I, remember I can't right. remember what the other one is. Yeah. And they are standalone. You can even start them in on the Switch version. It just lets you start them basically boosted. Whereas oh, like sweet. you'll get armor and levels up to this point uh, to be able to start the expansion content, either one you want, uh, or you can start from the beginning and just have it all baked into the world, which is what I did. Cool. Yeah, I think that's in any of the like Game of the Year edition or Complete Edition okay. or whatever it is, which the Switch is one of those, you know, the more yeah. complete like modern editions. Um, but I know you can get that on other platforms, too. And so I'm curious now, are you tempted to check out the books at all? Because oh, for sure. Now I'm looking at the books and I'm like, are these good? Like, are they worth my time? Are they 
short stories because from what i've seen of everything in the world building these could be novels that are really like series of short stories are they monster of the week or are they really like full-blown epic novels where everything ties back into itself i have no idea do you I'm fairly certain they are full-length, long novels. Okay. Um, I'm trying to look right now as we're talking about this uh, just to see. Like, I don't know for sure, but um, well, and I'm from, fairly certain. From everything I've heard, the novels right now are the best way to bridge the gap between the show and mm-hmm. getting to The Witcher 3. Because... The Witcher 2 is rough, and The Witcher 1 is really, really rough, and probably nobody ever wants to play that one ever. (laughs) Um, The Witcher 2, if you absolutely loved the game and the series and everything, you might have enough, like, tenacity to stick with it. But even there, like, just go watch some gameplay of The Witcher 2 or The Witcher 1, and you'll be like, yeah, I I don't need to put myself through that. So it seems like if you want the full story... The best way might right now might be to go across three different mediums, which is weird. Start with the Netflix show, and then where that leaves off, pick up the books. <laughs> and then when the books get far enough, jump over to The Witcher 3. That's a very strange way to experience the narrative, but it may be. Because, yeah, I'm looking at it right now on Amazon, and the mass market paperback of The Last Wish, the first one, is 384 pages. Um, so they're definitely full-length novels. Okay. Um, Rather than like collections of short stories and things like that. Yeah, full length book and establishes the continent as a backdrop, blah, 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 blah. Um, Someone I know and trust said that the best place to pick up is just get the second book. So if you finish season one of the show, you can just pick up book two right away. And that's a good place to like jump back into the story. That makes sense. Um, It's also funny to me, speaking of the books, how little the author cares anything at all about these adaptations. Oh, yeah, it's hilarious. He cares nothing like he is like and it's not even angry disinterest it's just like i'm busy i don't care it's just like i'm writing i just like eh, what what are you gonna do it's like they're fine they can do their own thing people like them interviews are hilarious because they're like oh how excited are you and he's like i'm excited that i don't have to work as much because i get more money because i sold these things and they're like yep okay he's like yeah i like not working and i like making money so i don't have to work like that's what all of his (laughs) interviews are like and they're hilarious i love reading his interviews they're great and it's like he's this surly dude but at the same time it's adorable yeah it's so good um so the witcher i think we both recommend different pieces of it in different ways but there's definitely something to the setting and the story there that you can probably find one way or another into it if you're interested yeah, and like just watching the TV show, like I know that Game of Thrones was one. I keep tying it back to Game of Thrones because it feels like it has that that same like atmospheric feel to me when I'm watching it. But like people get into that, and it's like those those actors were pretty. But honestly, and I know this is gonna sound super silly and super shallow, but my goodness, watching this show with Henry Cavill and I can't remember her name, the the woman who plays Jennifer, they are two of the prettiest people on TV right now. Like, they are just fun to watch because they're pretty, like both of them. It's just like, look at this. I'm going to sit here and watch this wonderfully entertaining narrative that's just filled with beautiful people. And I'm okay with that. Like, I am... 
I love it. Like, I love TV with beautiful people in it. Like, Jennifer and I talk a lot about this. Like, when we were watching Lois and Clark, it's like we were amazed going back at just how pretty Dean Kane and Terry Hatcher were. And it's like, man, we were kids and didn't realize that. And I feel that way about The Witcher. It's like Henry Cavill is pretty. It's like, and whoever plays Jennifer is one of those beautiful women on television. I'm just like, man, these people are pretty. Okay. So we'll if y'all like there. pretty people on TV, they're pretty. Yeah, I guess right. they are. That's a place that we're going to drop that topic, Ben. Um, <laughs> you guys, if you want great discussions about pretty people on TV, you can support us on Patreon, um, patreon.com slash geek2geekcast, and that helps pay for the hosting for the show and bringing us to you every week and expanding the network and the community and all the things that we want to build out, basically. Um Outside of that, the network itself, you guys get podcasts, we have streamers, we have the Geekery blog with a bunch of writing and really cool content on it. All of that is at geek2geekmedia.com, and you can go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe to get it sent right to you. With that, it's time for Weekly Geekery, where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. What have you been up to? Well, the main thing is I played Arboretum, finally. Like, I bought it. You've been recommending it for a long time, and I bought it and brought it to board game night the other night. And, like, because of on... on I'm trying to think on what it was. Discord. On Discord, we had someone ask about the... Uh, uh, scoring system and we had talked about that a couple of weeks ago and i understand their confusion on this that i think it was alpha wing and like i get the confusion because but once i got it down like you said i understood it a lot better and so jennifer and i sat and played two player and then the next night like i got to play four player with uh all the board game folks like we got to sit down and actually do a big four player uh game and it is such a different game with two and four people like it is probably one of my favorite uh board games that i've played so far and it's a card game but it's it's a tabletop game and uh, it's one of my favorite ones now like it is super fun now that i know how to play it yeah our so, is great thank you yeah no problem. Um, i'm t- i'm tempted to actually buy the deluxe edition of it with the foil cards and the the wooden box and everything but i haven't uh, i just can't bring myself to pay like an extra 30 bucks for it but uh if uh, if something happens to this one i will definitely get those <laughs> Um, then I've watched Jennifer play a lot of Cat Quest while I was gone to uh, Phoenix. Like she started playing Cat Quest on the the Switch, and I didn't think she was gonna like it. I really didn't expect her to like these uh, the kind of silly action RPG, uh, like clicking around, dodging around kind of uh, combat that it has. But she really has fallen into it. And so at night, a lot of times I'm just sitting around watching her play Cat Quest, and it just makes me really happy uh, to see that uh, that she's falling into to different kinds of games than she originally started with. Like she started really playing things like Mario Kart and Journey, and uh, just as she's seen me play stuff, as I've talked about stuff, as our nephew has noticed stuff, uh, it's just like gotten her into different kinds of, of games that she probably wouldn't have enjoyed nearly as much uh, years ago. So just sitting around watching her play Cat Quest has made me really, really happy. And I think we're going to play Cat Quest 2 together whenever she beats this one because it's a co-op game where one's a cat and one's a dog. Awesome. That's really cool. I'm super excited for that. And then I actually started Shadowbringers, Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers. I actually started it the other day. Awesome. About uh, 12 months late to the party, but I'm glad that you're getting to it because it's really good. 
it I, and and that's actually the only thing that I can really say so far is that I've started it. Uh, I'm late to the party, but you're absolutely right. Just immediately out of the gate, it has better storytelling than almost the entire rest, like the entire Stormblood expansion. Like it just they it clicked. I don't know what they were doing, what mechanics, how they, what writing style, whatever it was that changed. It's just good. And it's engaging immediately. So uh, while I'm still not a fan of the MMO mechanics part of it, uh, the story is really good from the very get-go. Yeah, they said that one of the scenario writers for past expansions, um, she got to take like the lead role in this one. And everybody uh... points to like her as the one that really... like made it what it was so then if you go back and look and i'm not doing a very good job of this because i have to do the research again but i looked it up sometime when the game came out um you can go back and look at the quest that she has written for past expansions and i don't know if she was part of the base game but you're like oh yeah these are all of the best quests ever in the whole game and then she got to take lead on an expansion so everyone's like okay make her like the lead scenario creator writer story person from now on because she knows what she's doing yeah, for real. If that's that with that being the case, yeah, absolutely. 100% behind that because even just the very beginning of this where just a day or two ago that I resubscribed to make sure my house didn't fall down. I was like, yeah, I do this that she definitely needs that job. Promote her, give her yeah. much more money, let her do this again. <laughs> for sure. Um I've been playing just not a ton of video games lately. I I dipped my toe back into Shovel Knight because Shovel Knight is done finally. I know it came out in like Hmm. 2013 or something at this point, Um, but they promised all these expansions from the Kickstarter and they made so much money on Shovel Knight that they're like, yeah, we can do this. We're going to just take our time and do all of these expansions and then build them all into the base game. So if you bought Shovel Knight early, um you they probably upgraded you for free to shovel knight treasure trove edition um or if you bought it later you probably bought shovel knight treasure trove and that's what it was called at the time Mm -hmm. and it's basically the shovel knight campaign which i've talked about plenty and i everyone knows i love that game but then there's also a campaign for plague knight there's one for specter knight and then the one that just came out is for the the king king knight who um i think it's called king of cards and i had only tried one of those before i think it was plague night and i just didn't like it and i was like well that's kind of dumb whatever it doesn't work for me um so this was me dipping my toe back in and trying all of those campaigns again because i love the base game so much and again plague night was kind of whatever specter night was interesting and i kind of want to play it more because you can like run up walls and you can do these weird jumps and like kind of slice through things as part of your platforming and then king knight does this charge where he like does a shoulder charge and then if you hit certain objects he'll like spin up into the air and then you can combo it into another shoulder charge and Hmm. his is the campaign that i was liking the most so there are now like four campaigns plus in the king of cards there's a whole subquest card game that's like core to the story and i just wanted to highlight it because there's a lot there shovel knight's still good it's a really good bang for the buck but also they're done now and yacht club games can move on to their next game and i'm so excited to see what they do next like i didn't realize that like shovel knight treasure trove wasn't a sequel to shovel knight no nope, it's like, just i the thought base it game was a sequel on huh 
I, I didn't know that. Like this entire time, one of the reasons that I didn't pick up Treasure Trove is because like I've played the first Shovel Knight and I didn't get into it like you did, but I keep hearing such good things about it like this. And so I want to go back and I was like, but I don't really want to go back to the original game and Treasure Trove is out, but I don't know, you know, the difference. And they're like, it's the same game, BJ. It's like I didn't I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's the same game. So yep. Shovel Knight is still good, uh, surprising no one, but it's finally done, which is kind of fascinating and that's crazy outside of that um i i've been reading more books one of the other ones i wanted to highlight i know i kind of highlighted one last week um was the fold so this is a peter klein's novel and i've been Mm -hmm. reading more of his stuff he's kind of hit and miss with me he's the guy that did the the book about uh what was it how did i describe it zombies on the moon yeah yeah um that one was kind of whatever but the one that i just finished is called the fold and it's basically about like kind of transportation technology like instant transportation between one port point and another you know basically teleportation right Um, but as you get farther in the novel it quickly becomes apparent that what they're actually doing is traveling between alternate realities and so every time you walk through the portal you're in a slightly different reality and as sliders yeah and as the book goes on uh the realities that everything is coming through and going between get more and more off from each other and it kind of gets out of hand but it, it's my kind of science fiction like i love that, that kind of awesome. thing yeah um so that one's called the fold i really really like it it's totally standalone so you can just go grab it um I, but i recommend that and then uh i picked up a new podcast too that i don't think i mentioned on this podcast it's called ludology have i talked about this Mm-mm. one yet um, not that i've heard okay cool so ludology is it's a bunch of like board game designers or people that are part of the board game industry or adjacent to it and it's them talking about board game mechanics and design and kind of the evergreen stuff that exists in the world of board gaming so it's not just a review show it's not what came out this week or industry news it's really about like what is this mechanic and what does that mechanic mean for things and how has it been used and how could it be used in the future and where did it come from and what's the history behind it? And it's this like deep dive into the mechanics of board games and I hmm. really, really like it. It's really well done. So I wanted to highlight that one too because I bet a bunch of people listening to this podcast would enjoy that. So that's called Ludology. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Um, I think that's it for this week. You guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have some great discussions on Slack, Discord, and Reddit. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, make sure to check out all the other content on the network. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast, where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beige. That's Beige with two E's. And you can listen to me even more on the Dragon Quest FM podcast, where we talk about the Dragon Quest games. <laughs> We've been Void and Beige with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Witcher. Toss a coin. 